Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to Influence Church, whether you're watching online or you're live with us today. I'm Phil Hudson-Peller, the senior pastor here at Influence, and we are glad, we are all glad to be celebrating on this 4th of July weekend a great nation founded on the principles of God, the Word of God, and the principles that we hold dear, liberty, freedom, democracy, and it is a joy to be with you today. Amen? You may not have known this, but the British designated the clergy before the Revolutionary War as the Black Robe Regiment. They said that they were responsible more for the revolution than any other people. All 27 grievances that were addressed in the Declaration of Independence were proclaimed loudly from the pulpits in America by the preachers. John Adams said, without the preachers, there would have been no revolution. And yet we're living in a day where preachers are hiding in the corners, afraid to proclaim the truth of liberty, justice, and freedom for all. We're living in a day where we need strong men and women to stand for what is true and right and good for society as a whole. We were not founded as a nation to be weak. In fact, had the British arrived on our shores today, we would all be speaking with a British accent because there doesn't seem to be enough courageous men and women in the world today to stand against an opposing army. And I believe it's time we stand up. I believe it's time that we do what we should have been doing all along, and that is voting, voting, did you hear me? There are enough Christians in California to swing a vote if they would just get out and vote. There's enough influence in this room and watching online to literally move the needle on culture if we would just do that on a consistent basis. You know, when I read the New Testament, I don't read about people that were afraid of government. I don't read about people that were afraid of what was going on around them. I read about people who feared God and followed him. And when they were arrested for preaching the gospel, they said, we must obey God rather than man. Now, we'll submit to your laws, but we're going to obey God in everything we do. If you will make that the heartbeat of your life, I'm gonna obey God. Because if you let culture and media dictate your emotional state, you are gonna always be suffering from multiple personality disorders. Because you're not gonna know what to say and what to do the next moment. But if you will just say, I'm gonna walk in the spirit of God, the power of God, the word of God's gonna be strong in my life, and I'm gonna move forward in confidence, believing that whatever happens, if I'm with God, I'm in good place. I'm in a good place, amen? I don't know how many of you watched the uh, President Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore, but I thought some of you may not have, and so I'm going to just give you a few highlights as we begin today. So I'm going to be quoting from him, and these are some of the words that he spoke on that day. Uh, we will state the truth in full without apology. We declare the United States of America is the most just and exceptional nation ever to exist on earth. 
We are proud of the fact that our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and we understand that these values have dramatically advanced the cause of peace and justice throughout the world. We know that the American family is the bedrock of American life. In 1776, represented the culmination of thousands of years of Western civilization, the triumph of not only spirit, but wisdom, philosophy, and reason. And yet, as we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Now let me just pause right here to say, America is not perfect. And we never want to fall into that trap either. We have to grow as a people. We can do better than they did 100 years ago. We can respect people more, we can love people more, we can value people more. And just because something's on the books in certain terms of a law doesn't mean we're doing a great job practicing the law. Are you with me? We wanna always come up to our position as citizens of America. And so when you begin to practice what you already are in your position, then the reality comes true. Then you look at every man and woman equally without prejudice and you value every person, not just because we're Americans, but because every man and woman was made in the image of Almighty God and reflects the nature of our God. Amen? We believe that our children should be taught to love their country, honor their history, and respect our great American flag. We stand tall, we stand proud, and we kneel only to Almighty God. This is who we are, this is what we believe, and these are the values that will guide us as we strive to build an even better and greater future. Those who, want, uh, who seek to erase our heritage want Americans to forget our pride and our great dignity so that we can no longer understand ourselves or our American destiny. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian novelist. You've heard me quote him before. He won the Nobel in literature. He resisted communism and spent years in the Russian gulag, the prison, the worst of the worst prisons. And one of the things he spoke when he came here to America after he was set free from that, that trap, that bondage, he said this, he warned. He said, I call upon America to be more careful because they are trying to weaken you to disarm your strong and magnificent country in the face of this fearful threat one has never been seen before in the history of the world. You see, the enemy never changes. The enemy is the enemy. Satan is behind every curtain of every bad idea that you or I ever had. And we become pawns very easily because we get so sensitive and we make it so personal and we forget where the real battle is in our world. And if we remember the enemy is always the enemy, he always came to kill, he always came to lie, he always came to destroy, 
He always came to deceive. He always came to trick us into something that we're not. Now, there is no country on planet Earth that's perfect. There never will be. But I want you to know there is coming a kingdom to this earth where every tongue and tribe and every people will speak the name of Jesus, and Jesus will sit on the throne of his father David, and he will rule from that throne with righteousness. So our goal in life now is to try to move as much of the kingdom thinking into our present world and make it a reality. No wonder Jesus told us, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it's already operating in heaven. And so we as believers, we take a principle like freedom and we say principle of freedom is based on the ultimate freedom that Jesus Christ gives us, amen? So how do we practice that on earth? Because there's coming a day when we're all gonna stand around the throne of God, every knee is going to bow, and we're gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and there's gonna be standing next to you Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and every political venue you could imagine. But they'll all lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to give you an obvious. If you're here today, you believe this. God is the king over all the nations of the earth. Let me take you through just a few scriptures that affirm that truth today. In Acts chapter 17 in verse 26, it says, he, that is God, made from one man every nation of mankind. You see what it says? There's not one class of man or multiple classes, there's only one class of mankind made in the image of God. Oh, the skin color may be different, the size, the shape, everything else may be different about us, but God made us all, amen? That is our message. We are all children of the living God. And it said to live on the face of the earth. Now look at this, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of habitation. God said, not only did I make mankind, but I determined the boundaries and the duration of every nation on planet earth. You see, we think we're in control of everything. What an illusion that is. We're not in control of very much, are we? And yet God says, I'm going to be the one who's gonna step back and from eternity, I'm gonna determine nations and boundaries and I'm going to even have a purpose for every one of them. Do you know that God said of Pharaoh from Egypt, Israel's in bondage? You know what he said of Pharaoh? He said, I have raised him up for this purpose, to demonstrate my glory in this one who is the enemy of the nation of Israel, but it was through that bondage and through that using of that that leader to bring about the glory and the release of his people. You know, when you go through difficult times, you get stronger, don't you? Well, some of you get mad, but you know, some of you get stronger, amen? And you, you find yourself going, no, you know, I'm gonna build tenacity through this. I'm gonna build some backbone through this. You know, we had to make some decisions along the way. In May, we made a decision before the governor gave us an opportunity to come back as a small group and said, uh, yeah, I guess you can do that. But we made a decision weeks before that to say we're gonna open on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, because we believe it's a First Amendment right. That's why we're gathered. 
We're not gathered here because we just love it. We do love it. But we're gathered here because we believe it's a right given to us as citizens of the United States. And that's why we're here. There's a reason you sang today. We believe worship inhabits the praises of God because that's what the Word of God says. For me not to worship is somehow stifling what God wants to do in the releasing of his presence among his people. But I want you to know we respect everyone. We respect those who wanna, who feel safer at home or in our drive-in church or wherever they are. We wanna respect everyone and never get into this shaming thing. You know, never get super spiritual. Never think that you got it together and somebody doesn't. Hey, let's just all walk humbly before God. How does that sound? And respect every person on planet Earth. I think he would honor that. Psalm chapter 22, verse 28. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. You wonder, well, what about this nation over here, this despotic ruler that's, that's ruling and, and, and creating heinous crimes against society? God says, I have a purpose, and I have a plan. And there's this, there's this crazy duplexity of, that goes on where on one hand we see sovereign God, and on the other hand we see the free will of man. And it doesn't make sense sometimes, does it? You say, well, if God's in control, then why doesn't he? But remember, if God took all the decision out of your life, would there ever be real love for God? You have to have this freedom of will and choice, and so somewhere there's a balance between the two. It's kind of like a pair of scissors. Scissors don't make sense when they're separated. And if you think of one part of that scissor as the sovereignty of God, and the other one's the free will of God, or the free will of man, then they work together. You say, well, explain that. No. Because I can't explain it. If I can explain everything about God to you, then my God is no bigger than my brain, and then you're in trouble. Amen? Matthew 25, this is really interesting, a reference to the nations. Matthew 25, 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is the second coming, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him. Now, we know uh, something about the judgment of mankind. We know the judgment seat of Christ is for Christians. We know the great white throne uh, judgment is for non-Christians. But here's another judgment. This is the judgment of nations. And notice what it says here. It says they will be gathered before him. What? The nations. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, when you read that, you wonder, what is going on here? He's literally telling you what follows this is the millennial reign of Christ on earth for a 1,000 years. He says some nations will exist in the millennium and some will not. I've often been asked, why isn't America in biblical prophecy? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it could be there is no America in the future. It could be that it's broken apart. It could be that they don't play a significant part in end-time prophecy. There's amazing, there's an amazing number of possibilities there, and yet none of them we understand or know. But what we do know is we are supposed to be responsible this day, this hour, for the message that God has given us. Amen? That's what we do know. And so we go on a little bit further into the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, verse 23. God says, I will magnify myself. 
You see, we can magnify him, but he said, but I can magnify myself. Sanctify myself and make myself known in the sight of many nations. God says, you know, I like using you, but I'm not utterly dependent on you. When God wants to get your attention, have you ever noticed how he does that? Somehow he breaks through. You can, you can try to dodge church your whole life, and he'll show up at the grocery store. He'll speak to you through a radio broadcast. God is God. God says, I will glorify myself, I will sanctify myself, I will make myself known uh, in the sight of many nations, in the sight of many nations. And it says, and they will know that I am the Lord. Psalm 22, 27, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. Do you see where God's taking us? God's moving history along to a point of which there's going to be real worship. I believe in America, God is gonna move us through, and I think even what we're going through now is a blessing of God in disguise to bring us to a place to hunger and thirst after God like we never have before. To not take church as normal and, and take it as just for granted and stop having Christianity be a hobby in your life but rather say, no, we are gonna worship the Lord. We're gonna serve God. I don't ever wanna go back to the way church was before. Complacent Christians, showing up when they wanted to, not counting their faith dear. No, we need to be strong. We need to remember we're in a battle. We're in a war every day of our life. Alexis de de Coqueville was a traveler to this nation, and uh, he, was a, he was a Frenchman, and he wrote, he was just amazed because he saw the difference between the French Revolution which was without God, and the American Revolution that was with God. And he just traveled and he wrote constantly, and one of the things he said is nothing is more wonderful than the art of being free, but nothing is harder to learn as to how to use that freedom. We're seeing that evidence today, aren't we? We have freedom, but not knowing how to use that freedom for the good. You know, we can get a lot of things done in America if we can just put our heads together, our minds together, our hearts together, and move through a process. If we walk humbly before God, it's amazing what we can get done, amen? I want you to know something else. This that we're going through today is a dress rehearsal. I had lunch uh, this week with a former congressman, now Superior Court judge, and we talked, and he said, I never thought I would see this day. I never thought I would see uh, an overreach by the government as I'm seeing today. I never thought I would fear whether there would be a republic. But I'm telling you right now, I and all my colleagues believe that. And it was a sobering moment for me. Sitting at that restaurant when it was open, in Santa Ana, eating Mexican food. Anybody hungry yet? But it was a sobering moment. And it, and it came to me as I drove away, I thought, you know, this is a dress rehearsal. Do you realize how quickly and how easily we submitted to control without knowing any facts? And I'm not saying anybody had the answer. I'm not trying to blame anyone. I'm just saying it didn't take much for everybody to fall into fear and to fall into just this march of submission. And I thought to myself, this is a dress rehearsal. When enough people fear for their lives, they will panic and surrender their freedoms to a big government politician promising to restore order. 
We'll do anything. I remember studying the Holocaust, and I thought, how is it possible that you could have 30,000 people at a concentration camp and 3,000 guards, and they not just charge the guards and escape? It is because we fall into this mindset, it's gonna get better, I don't have any power, I don't have any control, somebody smarter than me will do something. What if there's nobody who's gonna do anything but you? What if there's nobody, what if everybody's depending on you to do something? You have to ask yourself those kind of questions. You see, violence destabilizes a nation. When a nation is destabilized, anything is possible. If you look at the rise of Adolf Hitler in Germany, it was through a destabilization economically that created the Nazi movement, that created that, that national socialist movement that all of us at least have read about some of you participated in because you saw it firsthand. You saw the consequences of that. When free speech is diminished or eliminated, it creates a culture of shame. How many of you probably, without raising your hands, how many of you would say, you know, there's been some things I wanted to like on Facebook or Instagram, but I was wondering how my friends might look at me. Some things I wanted to post, but I was a little worried. What that is, is that censorship. And the shaming that follows is, well, you're not my friend anymore if you can't hashtag this particular thing. No, I'm an American with free speech. When I submit to shame and censorship, I cease to be an American. Do you hear me? When I submit to censorship and shame, I cease to be American because it's one of the tenets of our, our beliefs. Here's our creed uh, as a nation. And we have to remember, if you just go back to the original document, it explains a lot. Daniel chapter seven and verse 25, the Antichrist, he will speak great words against the Most High. Now, one reason I say this is a dress rehearsal, you see, the enemy knows very well if we can just kind of condition people into think like this, do like this, then when the Antichrist comes, it's gonna be very easy. Because a lot of people wonder, well, how will he gain control? Well, look around. Not hard to figure this one out. He said, he will speak great words against the Most High, and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. You know, see, what happens is you get to the place where you just say, what use is it? That's what it's talking about here. And to think to change times and laws. Remember, this was written about 2,800 years ago. This is predictive. This is prophetic. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 25. He will be a master of deception, defeating many by catching them off guard as they bask in their false security. We're so insecure, the only thing we knew to do when we got words of COVID-19 was to buy toilet paper. That's all we knew how to do. Let's just go get toilet paper. I don't know about you, but if the world is ending, I want more than toilet paper. Can you, can you agree with me on this one? Can I get a witness on this? I mean, I want water and guns. I mean, I want all that stuff. Here's another big thought. God's power is evident. It is evident. Do you know when you step back and just ask God to show you himself, he does? 
when you slow down long enough just to read his word, it's, it's so, it's just so much revelation comes out of that. So much comfort comes out. So much truth comes out of that. There's some heavenly reminders we have. Genesis chapter one and verse 14, I love this verse. It says, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens and divide the day from the night. And you're thinking, pastor, where are you going with this? You're talking about creation right now. Yes, I'm talking about the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and it says, and let those, let those be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. So God said, I created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and I wanted to speak to you. Sometimes I'm going to speak to you in a magnificent way. Sometimes I'm just gonna nudge you just a little bit. We have a, a bell in Philadelphia, it's called the Liberty Bell. If you've ever been there or ever seen it, you know there's a verse from the Bible inscribed on the Liberty Bell. It's from the book of Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 10, and it says, proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants. I thought this was interesting. We're gonna show you a diagram here. This is uh, of a, an eclipse that just recently happened. Uh, it actually happened uh, last night, and if you were able to see it, but when I, I pulled this up, I, I looked at it and I said, it looks like a Liberty Bell. And it happened on July 4th. It's interesting that John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died on July 4th on the same year, 50 years after writing the Declaration of Independence. You know, the July, you know God has dates and times that are significant. I'm not trying to overread into this. It was an eclipse, it's a natural phenomena, but remember, who is behind natural phenomena? The God who created nature. There is no mother nature. Have you ever met her? Have you ever read her book? Ever known any of her relatives? Mother nature, I've never even seen a picture of her. No, there's God, there's God. There's also kingdom miracles. We recently redid our concrete floor in here. The guy who did that is a guy named Jose. He's done some other things for us, and he's a great, uh, great guy. I like him a lot. And last, uh, last Saturday night, he sent me a text, and he says, Pastor, my nephew Luis is 35. He has two kids. He has a bad asthma problem, and now he's developed COVID. And they don't know what to do. And it's so bad, they're gonna put him in a coma and on a ventilator and hope that something will work. And so I, uh, I said to him, I said, well, I'll put his name in the prayer wall. And by the way, Jose calls it the miracle wall, which I like. And I have a picture of here. That's me taking that little, that little name tag and putting it in there. Luis, healing for COVID in Jesus' name. And I put it in the wall. I prayed over it on a Sunday morning. And then this week, he sent me this note. He said, hello, Pastor Phil, I'm letting you know about my nephew. God worked a miracle. He is getting out of the hospital free of COVID. Our entire... <laughs> Our family are so grateful. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you for the miracle wall. I like those kind of stories, don't you? I like those kind of stories. But I want you to know there's also kingdom peace. People say, well, should I feel guilty that I'm nervous or fearful during this time? No, that's natural and that's human. But what do you do with it, right? You don't stay in fear. You don't stay 
discouraged. You don't let anxiety overcome you. What you do is you do what the Bible says. Let me take you to Philippians chapter four. It says, be anxious for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. But what do I do instead? But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And when I do that, what happens? It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You see, until the peace of God pushes past your mental thoughts, you don't have peace. You stay in your understanding of life. You stay in your perspective of life. You stay in this world's understanding of life. But when you do this, when you by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So God says, I'm gonna put a garrison around your mind. I'm gonna protect your mind. From what? Worry, anxiety, fear, all those natural emotions that we have in our world. I love Hosea chapter six and verse one. It says, come, let us return to the Lord. Why don't you just let this, you know, sometimes the word of God is just kind of like a, a gentle summer breeze that blows over you and you just feel refreshed. You feel relaxed. You just feel like everything's gonna be okay. And God says, come, let us return to the Lord. Hey, I don't know where you are with God right now, but you know, everyone in this room would probably say, I could get a little closer. I wanna return to the Lord, for he is torn. Oh, I've gone through difficult times. I've, I've felt sometimes it feels like the judgment of God or the challenges of life. But God says he is torn, but guess what? He's a healer God. He wants to heal you of whatever you're torn, whatever is out of place in your life, whatever is broken, he wants to bring back into order. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. You see, God begins the process when we just draw near to God. When we come, let us return to the Lord. I wanna ask you today, can you return to the Lord? You say, I'm not far from him. Could you be closer then? Could you be closer? Wherever you are, just say, I wanna get closer to God. I wanna return. Maybe there's a time in your life when you were more diligent, more concerned about the things of God than you are today, then return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Come into his arms, into his life. If you're a Christian, you say, you know, Pastor, I, I want to do that. I've learned some things. I've been inspired to do some things by the Spirit today, and I'm going to do those things and come back to the Lord. Amen? If you're not a Christian and you've never believed on Jesus Christ, you know, week after week we see people come to faith in Christ, either in this house or are watching online. But coming to Christ just means that I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he died on a cross, he was buried in a grave, he rose from the dead, and I put my faith and my confidence in God. And you can pray a prayer like this one. You could pray it right where you sit, right where you stand, right where you're watching. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that you gave your life for me. I believe that you were buried and rose from the dead and you conquered death in the grave for me. I receive you, Lord Jesus, into my heart, into my life. Be my God, be my Savior, be my King. If that was your prayer, just tell him amen. Just say amen, thank you, God. If you're a Christian coming back, just tell him amen. Thank you, God, thank you, God. You know, a thankful heart, a thankful heart can overcome anything and everything in your life. Just be thankful to God. God, thank you, thank you, 
thank you. But I'm going, just thank him anyway. I don't feel like it, thank him anyway. It's funny how your, your heart will catch up to your mouth. Amen?